Unless you can swim, right? Yep. So here, let me give you a couple. Failure, shame, um, being hurt by someone, being afflicted, experiencing not just physical pain, but emotional pain. Um, sin and rebellion can fall under weakness in the broadest sense of the human condition. And so when we're going to look at this tonight, we're going to tackle three subjects underneath this subject of weakness, under this umbrella. And the three are this, sin, affliction, and prolonged difficulty. They're all broad. So sin, when we rebel against the Lord, affliction, that's our pain and distress. And then the Kind of what Helio was talking about, that things that don't go away, that they're just constant. And what we're going to learn is there's grace and hope in all of those weaknesses. So whoever's coordinated, can you try to put this back together? Don't look at him. Listen. No, it's fine. Okay, first point. Here's the big idea. Since there was hope and help for the Apostle Paul, he's our subject tonight. In all of his weaknesses, in his sins, in his affliction, and his prolonged, lifelong difficulties, there is hope and help in Jesus for you. No matter who you are, no matter what you're experiencing or will experience, there's hope and help for you in Jesus. First point is this. There is hope in Jesus for all our sin and rebellion. I want to give a description of the Apostle Paul before he was a Christian. Does anybody know what his Hebrew name was that he went by? What? Saul. He's named after King Saul. He was a Pharisee. Um, he was trained in the law. And this is one of the things that, that Saul, what I'm about to read, he would have thought about, I'm sure, his entire Christian life. It would have been in the back of his memory, maybe sometimes in the front of his memory. And this is Saul. Um, he's standing by as the first Christian. What happened there? Testing. I'm back. The first Christian was killed for the faith. Does anybody know his name? Stephen. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. They're very sad. There's a lot of grieving and emotion. But Saul, the apostle Paul, was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women, and committed them to prison. This is one of the primary authors of the New Testament. He had the blood of Christians on his hands. He was guilty of sin. So the question is, our theme verse, Galatians 2.20, how does the man who is there approving of a Christian's death Write Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What happened? And we really want to know what happened, because what happened to him can happen to us. Which is point one, there's hope. In Jesus, for all our sin and rebellion. 
So we're finding grace and hope in your weakness. Grace is undeserved. The Apostle Paul is really interesting if you study his life. He's my favorite biblical character aside from Jesus. Uh, Because in some ways, he was like a church kid. He said in one place, um, as to the law, flawless. I was blameless. I was doing everything. You, You check a box, and I was doing it. But then on the other side, he had the blood of Christians on his hands. What happened? Here's what happened. Acts 9 tells us the story. But Saul, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. He's in a rage, a fit. I want to hunt them down and I want to kill them or I want them to be killed. And he asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus. Give me names. Who's going to these meetings? I'm going to find them. So he found any belonging to the way. That's another word for Christian. Men or women. That he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? And he said, this is the big, uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. To persecute the church, believers in Jesus, is to persecute Jesus. So Paul was guilty not just of persecuting the church, but persecuting Jesus himself. And you can read in Acts 9 and and what follows, but the Apostle Paul in that time period owned his sin, realized he had sinned against God, and realized that Jesus was the only hope for his sin and rebellion, and he turned from it. He didn't clean himself up. God invaded his life. That's what grace means. It's undeserved, unmerited, unearned favor. We are not saved by our works. We're not saved by Bible reading or Bible memory or church attendance or youth group attendance. We're saved by Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, who died on the cross for our sins. Once he was saved, he did what we learned about, the guys learned about this morning. He went all in. There was no doubt in anybody's mind if Paul was with Jesus. But that didn't save him. It was a result of his salvation. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the famous man Martin Luther from the Reformation time period. One of my favorite quotes in church history is from Martin Luther. He said this. He he was a monk at the time. So he was like devoted, devoted. Uh, He would go to a confessional at times. He would confess his sins for six hours. And the priest would say, can you please Go sin and do something bad and then come back and tell me so that you actually have something to confess. And he said, if ever a monk was saved by his monkery, it was I. If ever a monk was saved by his monkery, it was I. See, what happened to Martin Luther, he was reading the book of Romans. He understood for the first time that there was a righteousness that was a gift from God that had nothing to do with his human performance. And that was found in Jesus alone. So whether you are like 
the impeccable law-keeping Apostle Paul or the Christian hunting down Apostle Paul, there is hope for you. If you're, if you're all trapped in self-righteousness and moral performance, you need to turn from that and trust in Jesus. If you've done many, many bad things like I did as a teenager, you need to own them and turn to Jesus. There is hope and grace for both extremes and everyone in the middle, no matter what. Romans 5 says this, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, when the Apostle Paul wrote Galatians 2.20, when he said the following at the end, who loved me and gave himself for me, he was so amazed and so aware of God's love for him personally. If you know Jesus, God loves you that much. One of my prayers is that you would experience that love, that you would know that no matter how people treat you, what people say to you, what your home life is like, there is a God who loves you and gave himself for you. So under the big umbrella, there is hope in Jesus for all of our sin and rebellions. Point number two. There is hope in Jesus for every affliction that you may encounter. Affliction, let's define that a little bit. Pain, distress, grief, discomfort. Being a teenager. Being a teenager, I don't know what, what your parents tell you. I hope they, they say what I would think. I think it was the hardest part of my life by far. By far. It's confusing. It's disorienting. Things are swirling around. People are not nice. It's just a mess. And, um, and there's grace and there's hope in the middle of that. There's hope in Jesus for every affliction. The Apostle Paul, after he met Jesus, he wrote all kinds of incredible things in the Bible. This is one of them in 2 Corinthians. For we do not want you to be unaware, brother, brothers and sisters, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope, on Jesus we have set our hope, that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through pr the prayers of many. So when we are afflicted, when we are under life's pressure, it is very difficult. To help us get this, Tyler, come on up. You need you to stand front and center, okay? That way, yep, they all want to see your smiling face. So, he's a strong young man, right? Pretty strong. So, pretty strong. We're going we're gonna to find out how strong, right? Okay, so what Tyler's going to help us with is illustrate what kind of afflictions can come to us and the weight that, that that puts on us when it happens. Have you ever gotten grounded? Okay, so you do something wrong, you're in trouble. Can you hold that? 
Okay, so not too heavy, you're strong, you're good. Yeah, you got that. Um, that's affliction number one. So this one I'll be personal to Tyler. So maybe you're, um, you're at school and just people are being mean uh, to you or, to, or you're being mean to them. Another affliction, it's another stress. Okay, a little heavier. He's, oh, that's nice, yeah. Okay. Um, maybe home life is tricky. Maybe your, your parents aren't doing as well as you had hoped. Maybe you thought, wow, sometimes I feel like the responsible one, not them. Another weight. I know you guys are trying to count. It's about 15 pounds of weight. Um, what other afflictions can happen as teenagers? What other things put pressure on you? Maybe it's sickness, like Halia. That is, it's, it's something totally out of your control that you did not imagine. You doing all right? Yeah, <laughs> He's starting to get weighed down. He's starting to experience affliction and distress. And then the report card came, right? Yeah. It might not have been yours, but maybe somebody's in here. Didn't go too well. Oh, yeah. Okay, we're good. You got it. Just hold on there. All right, Mr. McCoy, come on up here. This is Mr. McCoy. You usually know him by Mr. Oh, McCoy. Yeah. So he's starting to fall. He's going to represent Jesus. So I want you to grab these, okay? And then I want you to stand behind Tyler. Don't hurt your back. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Because then we're sneakers, all right? Wait, you're supposed to, yeah. There you. What are we doing here? Wait, wait. No, I want you to grab them, okay? Okay, you come around and grab the whole stack if you can. Can you grab the whole stack? Okay. You got it? We obviously didn't practice this. Okay, now, now I want you behind him so you can't see. Okay? Okay, you good? Don't. Okay, so then life just gets hard. You know, things get hard, and it's, like, uncomfortable, and uh, it's burdensome. But look, now Jesus is taking everything, and Tyler is hidden safely behind him. All afflictions are on this guy right here. Give him a round of applause. I will pay for the chiropractor appointment, sorry. <laughs> we did not practice that, obviously. But the point is, life can get really hard. It can get hard because of our own choices. It can get hard because of the choices of others that affect us, that we have no control about whatsoever. What we need to learn to do, what you need to learn to do, is run to Jesus. A lot of times it's not doing things for Jesus or doing things that you think you should do, but Jesus, I just need you. Help me, Jesus. You run to Jesus. The Apostle Paul was a man his entire life that ran to Jesus. One of the things he wrote about, he describes kind of his life as a Christian. This is this is his ministry experience. He said this, Are there servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received the hand of the Jews, the 40 lashes, less one. Basically, they whip you with this, this, this whip that had like things that would rip your skin. They do it 39 times because they thought you wouldn't die, but you'd come really close to death. 
He endured that five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I had stones just chucked at me three times to kill him. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at the sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers, and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night and hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from all these things are the daily pressures on me for my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to fall? And I am not indignant. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is blessed, knows that I am not lying. And so he was so familiar with weakness, with internal struggles, with external pressures. At one point, he says, all of Asia has deserted me. Like you may have been dropped from by some friends at times. I've been dropped by friends at times. That hurts. I never had an entire continent drop me. <laughs> like everybody in an entire continent says, I want nothing to do with you. See, it's in those times that you can grow and prosper in your faith. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, help me. Like the picture of Mr. McCoy back, I'm going to hide In you, Jesus. And he will take your burdens. He will take your afflictions. It's like if you've ever been to the beach, um, the ocean when you were young, and your mom or dad, like let's say you were a toddler, and you were like seeing the ocean, your first memory of the ocean waves coming, and they're kind of standing when the waves are coming, and the the big part of the wave is hitting them, and and they're they're holding your hand, and you're right behind them, and they have a grip on you. That's what Jesus does. It doesn't mean he takes it all away. It's not going to be a a peaceful ride to heaven. And and sometimes it's going to be a very difficult and wild ride. But if you are centered on Jesus, if you have trusted in him and go to him, he will care for you and you will grow deep, deep, deep roots in Jesus. So there is hope and grace and mercy in our afflictions. Last one. There is sustaining strength in Jesus for every prolonged difficulty we may face. So sometimes our hardest things in life, they happen, they're hard, but then they go. And as time goes on, we might even forget them, or we might forget the sharp edge of them, and they don't seem so painful. But then there are other things that that they, they linger. And Haley described 11 to 14. That's a long period of time. For a 11 to 14, that's about a quarter of your life at that point. That's a huge time period. There is sustaining strength in Jesus for every prolonged difficulty that we may face. And the Apostle Paul, one of the things I love, when he writes the Bible through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, He's also writing things he has personally experienced as well. So the Lord just did that. He says this. So to keep me from becoming conceited, proud, arrogant, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations that God had given him, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. 
Now, we don't know. No scholar knows what it is. Some thinks, think it's a physical ailment. Some think it, it's a spiritual attack. Some think it's um, just things that he was struggling with. Could be people. There's, there's a wide variety of opinions. I love that it is specifically vague. That there's an affliction that's very distressing that the Apostle Paul had for a very long time. But listen to what he says. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace, my undeserved favor, my power is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So when we feel weak as Christians, you are in the safest place you could be. When you feel self-confident, you are in the most dangerous place you could be. Weakness is a real gift from the Lord. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. So, insults. People just hurling things at you. Or doing it through social media. Or doing it through whispering as you're walking down the hall. Insults. Hardships. Just these general difficulties. Maybe it's, maybe you're aware that your parents are under financial pressure. And that's a hardship. A burden that you feel even if they're trying to cover you from feeling that. I'm sure you all hear way more than any of us think as parents you actually hear. You, you guys have good ears and you're listening and paying attention even when mom or dad are whispering and, and think they're talking quiet. Um, just not, there are ears everywhere. Um, but then he, then he says, hardships, persecutions. Persecutions in our country right now in your social circles, could be losing friends as you, you trust in Jesus. I was 19 when I met Jesus. I, he, he surprised me with his grace and his mercy. And I was, Lord, I, I want to be all in. I want to follow you. And to follow him meant many of my friends just dropped me in an instant because of, of their lifestyle and how it was different from following Jesus. Now, some of them came back around over time. Uh, calamities, just basic hardship. But here's what I want you to think. The remedy when life gets hard, when your life gets hard, when your life is hard, let's just say it that way, your life at times can be really painfully difficult. It's like, I'm going to demonstrate this one myself, so I won't make Mr. McCoy or Tyler do this. So found this today. Joshua will verify this is real. Touch that. Sharp? Yeah, they're real thorns. So he has a thorn in his flesh. He keeps it on his side. He asked the Lord, it actually does hurt. Uh, he asked the Lord, remove this. Would you please take it away? But the Lord in his sovereignty decided it's better that you're going to have to endure this. And as you endure this, you're going to experience my grace and my strength and my power. And there's a level of discomfort. But Paul kept turning to Jesus. He asked him to remove it three times. He didn't remove it. So he submitted to the Lord's plan. And he trusted in his grace. And he trusted in his power. 
When life gets hard, don't trust in yourself. Don't believe in yourself. Don't suck it up, buttercup. Trust in Jesus. I cannot do this. This feels impossible. You have no idea how many adults in this room have said that, probably in their hearts or to the Lord in the last few months. Whatever life has thrown at them, whether it's work stuff or family stuff or just all kinds of pressures. Lord, I can't do that. That's a great prayer. That's a great way to live. If you're wondering if I can feel pain, I can feel pain. It's a little uncomfortable. I'm trying to dodge them. Um, But life is difficult. We live in a fallen and broken world. So even when you don't do bad things, bad things can still happen. Like Helia was describing, she did so, so well that honored the Lord. Don't ever, ever, ever judge God's character by your life experience. Judge it by God's word. One of the things I appreciate about Haley, she said about a zillion times, he's still good. He is still good. God is good. He is really good. You can trust him. Even with these things in my side, he is still good and trustworthy. But I don't need to do that all day, right? Um, When it comes to affliction or prolonged difficulty, so if it's pain and turmoil and, and things you're experiencing, one of the things that not just teenagers but adults can often fall into the trap is that becomes their identity. They, they identify with the pain and suffering. That, that's who I am. Rather than I am in Jesus, that's who I am. Some of you just have a harder road than others. That is part of God's call and God's plan for you. And as you turn to him, you're going to experience a unique kind of grace and power that's going to be different. It's going to be real. It's going to be tangible. And there's going to be a time in your life where you look back and you think, oh, that's why he allowed that to happen. And that's why he allowed that to happen. And that's why I can minister to these people that I wouldn't have any idea how to relate to. And that's how I can help these younger people as you get older. The Lord just does a thousand good things through really, really difficult circumstances. So the big idea is you can trust him. You can trust him. There is hope and grace and power in all of your weaknesses. Last verse I want to read to you is this. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul is in another predicament. believes in jail as he writes this. He's thanking them. He's thanking them for praying. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I would not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. He was thinking, I might die here for the faith. But did you hear what his impulse was? Please pray that I get out. But pray more that I honor Jesus, that I would not be ashamed of him. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. The time is now to find hope in Jesus. Let's pray, and you guys can stand, and the worship band can come back up.
Holy Spirit, we ask that you would encourage everyone in this room right now, that everyone would experience your power and your presence. And we pray especially for those who are walking hard roads as young teenagers right now. Lord, I pray that they would know how much you love them, how much you care for them, and I pray they would experience your presence tonight as we continue to sing and worship you. I pray you would do something deep and strong in them that would be memorable and give them strength to endure what they are facing right now. I pray that you would be glorified and we will praise you and give you all the thanks. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.